0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: 18th, 2016, I am along with EJ on the ride on Sunday afternoon with you, and uh, certainly a lot has changed since the past couple of weeks when we've not been able to do the show, but EJ, I tell you, this team surprises me no matter how many years I've been a fan. It finds a way to surprise me, usually to the negative, but there's hard, hard press to find negatives it's been about how this team is playing right now.
0: I mean, you look at the lineup pre-game, and everybody was in a rage saying, oh, Terry's throwing out the throwaway lineup, which oddly enough, I was looking at the throwaway lineup and I kind of liked it more than some of the regular lineups we've been running out there. But certainly you're looking at a sweep of a, a very, very inferior team and good teams who go to the playoffs go out there and beat that team today. And that's exactly what the Mets did in the one of the more unconventional fashions that we've seen out of them this year. But you're right, this team is surprising. This team is definitely interesting to be paying attention to. And I'll tell you what, I might actually be having a little more fun this year than I was last year. As great as last year was, at this point it was inevitable that the Mets were winning the division. With this unknown, with this actually being in a race, this is heart racing stuff. This is my old man is still awake at 1130 last night texting me. When he's 70 years old, he goes to bed at 930 on most nights. This, This is fun being back in a hunt, and I feel really good about where the Mets are as of today.
1: You know, it's one of those things where you look at accomplishment and certainly, you know, accomplishment versus adversity. You know, I, a lot of people are still out there, especially on the, the infamous Mets Twitters, complaining about a lot of things. And I, I get a lot of the complaints and all, but it, it's kind of like, you know, you don't need to stop and smell the roses on this one. This is kind of a miracle run we're in the middle of, no matter how far it goes. And I tell you, with the way this team has been decimated, what we're watching is a miracle. And it really
0: is. When you're looking at it right now, if you were heading into a playoff series as of today, it, it's pretty much... Noah and Bart are the only guys who were left in the rotation from the beginning of the year or who were expected to be back by now. This is not a team. This doesn't happen to teams. You don't lose essentially 80% of your intended rotation and still continue to be a playoff contender. I have never thought of a team who can come back from that, and that's exactly what this Mets team has done. Noah's done his thing. Bartolo's done his thing. But, you got to give a huge hat tip to these kids who are coming up and who are getting the job done from a pitching perspective. Yeah, the Jake injury yesterday was kind of a gut punch because we all expected to see him back out there for 75 pitches today. Instead, we won't see him again until the spring. But, I mean, it's just really, really fun not knowing who's going to be the next man up. And what I really liked was when we see a guy like Montero completely fail earlier in the week, all the other guys have just picked him up ever since. And really stepped up their games. It, it's fun not knowing. I love the unknown. I love a little bit of chaos in my life, and that's exactly what this team is due to injury. This team got really chaotic really quickly, but they're still delivering the unexpected. So this is a this is a fun time to be a Mets fan.
1: All right, you, let's look at the let's look at the statistics here. You look at the opening day lineup, and who is expected to be in this on this team on opening day? Let's let's count Zach Wheeler in amongst this because. For argument's sake, he was supposed to be in the rotation by June. Uh, you've got four of your intended six starters for 2016 gone. Matt's, uh, I'm, uh, they say he may be back. I'm going to count him as gone until he isn't, okay? And I think that's fair. Uh, that's not being a pessimist. It's just being realistic at this point. So you've got four of your six starters. First base, until well, until May until today. Gone, and you know, who knows how much of a contributor Lucas Duda can beat from here on out. Your opening day second baseman, gone. Your opening day shortstop, he's still around, but your third baseman's out for the year. Um, your, your left fielder and, or slash center fielder, depending on how you want to play it, with, with Michael Conforto and your catcher, Travis Darno, have both had two of the worst regressions I've ever seen in my years of watching this sport, and this is a team that leads the wild card. It's unreal. Everything yeah, I just fact, described, EJ, should be a team 10 games off the wild card, five games under five hundred.
0: Yeah, and then you factor in the other guys. You factor in not only uh, uh, Travis and Comporto not done well, but you factor in the little nagging injuries you've had to Legaris, You've even had to guys like Rene Rivera. You've had some bullpen issues. I mean, it really is amazing, this team – for them to be as competitive as they've been, particularly over the past month, when the injuries seemingly really were starting to stack up on each other, it's, it's definitely a credit to the team, the manager, the general manager, who's put this team together and has managed to to put it together patchwork in a way. But as I said today, uh, one of the or yesterday, one of uh, one of my buddies on Twitter, he, he actually sent me a message. He said, "Hey, sorry to hear about the Jake injury." That's a, Sucks for you and the Mets fans, and he's a Dodger fan. And I said, you know what? I appreciate the condolences, but I think we're still getting in on smoke and mirrors. <laughs> I'm going to have fun watching those smoke and mirrors get into the wild card.
1: Actually, I mean that go, kind of goes to the next point. Uh, we're kind of getting in on smoker and mirrors, and you know to make the joke there. I mean, you know, earlier in the you know prior prior to spring training last year, we had Josh Smoker on in between his double uh, A AA and triple A seasons. Kind of talking about the miracle. That, I mean, there's certainly been enough in the media now. You know, we, we told the story maybe a little ahead of time, but the, his story is well out there right now. Um, I talked to Josh probably just before the All Star break. Uh, had a chance to talk to him, sit down with him for a couple minutes before a ball game, and uh, you know, I I don't think he was crazy happy about how his season was going. Quite honestly, and uh, you know, right after that, things turned around for him, and uh, I'd like to take credit for that personally, but I won't.
0: Uh, the, um,
1: the the reality, though, is talk about a guy who has been lights out this past week in the, out of that bullpen. Would you have guessed six months ago now that one of the best contributors for the bullpen would have been Josh Smoker?
0: No, I mean, you look at that whole bullpen. You've got Godel oh, I know. Everybody on Twitter was saying, why is he the choice? Everyone's like, okay, I'll allow Terry to remove Noah, but. Why is Goodell the guy? And he steps up. And then Edging has been good again. And he said it with Smoker. Smoker's just been nothing but lights out lately. And these are all guys who, yeah, you hopefully contribute in some way. But when you're looking at it, it seems like Familia's a little gassed right now. So it's kind of going to have to be a, a bullpen where everybody might have their role shifted up an in any, or, or put into a more intense situation. And it seems like all the guys out there are welcoming the challenge rather than shying away from it. It's great to see the, the – the, test, the testicular fortitude, as our man Mick Foley used to say, coming out of that bullpen right now. And I'm really confident late in these games. You know, it's amazing. Last night was probably my favorite win of the season so far. It, it was one of those games It's where, one of them. It's you, up there. You would have felt of this game, if this is in the, the early or mid-July Mets that were really struggling offensively, you would have said there's no way. But I just had a feeling last night, as I'm watching it unfold. Somebody was going to step up and do something. I didn't expect it to be Curtis in back-to-back innings, but the whole time the number one thing that you needed there was you needed the bullpen to hold it together, and they held it together long enough for Curtis to have his heroics and to shut the door on that game. That was just a great win yesterday, and that's the kind of win that I feel like can propel a team through a game like today, which was not a well-played baseball game by any means, but it can kind of give you that momentum heading into a game much like today.
1: And that's exactly what it looks. I mean, with this team, I mean, you know, it. it they are a team of improbables at this point. There was an article, I think it was out of USA Today uh, um, this morning, that uh, declared the Mets the best chance of a one and out. Uh, and they used the word probable one and out in the playoffs. And you know what? I, I, I'm going to take this like last year. Every postseason we game is a Get get, get is a gift. And I am going to look at it that way, uh, but the, the the reality of it is is um the um, um the the team is overperforming, and who improbable seems to be the key, not probable. so I mean, not to say that the guy at USA today is wrong, we could go one and out, but I just find it funny putting the word "probable" on the, anything this team does right now seems foolhearted to me.
0: Well, I just can't put the word probable on anything that has to do with a one-game wild card game when every team, if, if oh. they're set up properly, is throwing their ace out there, and anyone's ace can outdo anyone else's ace any day. My question is, who is that ace? It's, let's say, for the sake of argument, the Mets clinch a wild card spot, and they do so with enough time prior to the end of the season that they can kind of set up their rotation. I've been tweeting it out after his last couple starts. I've been getting a text from my dad, who's all in on this team again. And after his last couple of starts, my dad keeps tw- sending me a text message saying, if they have to play a one-game playoff, I want Bartolo on the hill. And as I keep tweeting out that I text agree. from my dad, I keep tweeting out, I can't argue with that. Why the heck not? He's going out there and putting up big game goose bark. egg after goose egg for five to seven innings in every, every start, and that's exactly what you would need in that Wild Card game with a bullet like Noah in the bullpen if you needed him.
1: I agree. I am 100% in agreement. I think in a heartbeat, I start Bartolo Colon, especially because I don't have to think about innings. I don't have to think about him losing his cool out there. Not that, I mean, there have been moments this year where Noah has looked visibly frustrated out of the mound. And it's by and far not the majority by any means. But Bartolo Colon is unflappable. Absolutely unflappable. I didn't say flabbable. I said flappable, (laughs) Uh, just, just for the record. But um, he is—he is a cool character. He is as cool as they come. He is as calm as they come. And I think that the—not just on the mound, what he could deliver, what he would bring to the field um, in a one-game playoff to keep those around him cool and calm and, and focused. Uh, I think there's a lot of value in that. And I, you know, and quite frankly, that gives you the bullet, Noah Syndergaard, in the first game of
0: playoffs if you make it. Yep, and you know what, think about back to when Bartolo got signed by Sandy. The overwhelming feeling by the Mets fans were, A, well, we had just signed Granderson, so this was kind of a, a throw-in additional move. Hey, didn't see that coming. It's a, hot, a low upside, a very little risk kind of move. Everyone's saying, why are we giving this guy the second year? We probably could have gotten him for just one, but there was a lot of shoulder shrugging, saying, oh, Yeah, I guess with that second year, you could at least move him to a contender if he's, like, you know, around 500, maybe a 4 ERA. You could probably move him to a contender who wants someone with playoff experience. And now here we are. Those two years later, we're in that second year. We've gone to a World Series with this guy. Now we're staring down the face of a wild card game against another team's ace, and suddenly he's gone from we can move him to a, a playoff contender to that's the guy we're probably wanting to tag in a one-game playoff. I mean, I hate to hate to be cliche, but that's baseball season. You know, and that's the thing for me. I mean, I look at it and uh, I, I just,
1: you know, again, it's the unflappable, you know, big, sexy, big game pitcher. I mean, that's Bartolo Colon. And to me, you know, I, I, I have been saying it for a while. I want him re-signed. I want him back next year. And I think even uh, Matt Thoreau in the Mets blog pointed out the other day, it's like, you know what, if it requires giving him a second-year option, they should do it. And I don't disagree. And this guy is older than I am. He's, I think, the only baseball player left older than I am.
0: And so I'm all for it. Well, Well, the other thing you have to take into account is Bartolo is very bold this past week saying he wants to be in that next year. And I have said it so many times and time again, I want guys who want us. I want guys who want to be a Met. This guy loves being a Met. By all accounts, he's a great presence. Uh, I totally agree with what you said about him being the starter in a one-game playoff on that calm demeanor he will instill amongst his teammates. That's the kind of thing where if you see one skipping off T.J. Rivera's glove, Bartolo pulling him aside in the dugout and saying, hey, no blood, no foul, we're good, and just kind of calming guys down like that. So I absolutely agree that Bartolo, he wants to be here. We want him here. Where would we be without Bartolo Colon? A phrase I never thought I'd be saying, but it's absolutely true. Without Bartolo Colon, I don't even want to think where this team would be. And you're absolutely right. If he wants a second-year option, give it to him at this point. I mean, really, what's the risk of Bartolo at 43 versus Bartolo at 44? The guy has the easiest motion. He basically throws one pitch and throws it well. And it's not like he has to throw it 100 miles per hour taxing his arm. I kind of feel like he's just as durable as durable gets. So if you want to give him a second-year option, by all means do it. But I absolutely want Bartolo Colon on the mound in a playoff game. I want him here next year because, let's face it, we don't know what the injury status is going to be with all these pitchers next year. I know the Mets like to paint the the broad stroke, hey, everyone's going to be best-case scenario. We have yet to ever see any of our pitchers come back in the best-case scenario. So they're sitting there – They're telling Jake three months. Well, do some research real quick online. Go to freaking WebMD. Yes, the surgery is not a major surgery, but three months is the absolute positive, most optimistic outcome. More realistically, it's a six-month recovery time. Now you're in the middle of March. Now you're probably not ready for opening day. Now you're going to need that guy. And for me, that guy is Bartolo Colon. I absolutely want him to remain in New York Met next year.
1: You know, and the thing too is you you figure out too. I mean, with with the surgery, with Harvey surgery, these are not guys that are going to be able to really take the ball every fifth day, for, you know, for you even early in the season. I I firmly believe this Mets team, in the you know, with with uh, Wheeler coming back after surgery, uh, Matt's coming back after you know he's going to have you know his elbow scoped. Uh, I mean, you've got it uh, looks like Noah will avoid surgery. Degrom obviously won't. Um, the reality of it is you have a bunch of guys that will be coming off, either mostly minor operations. But you're going to need a six starter most likely for at least the first two months, somebody who can either fill in or take a couple spots because inevitably one of those guys, and this is not a bang on Mets Medical like so many people like to do. Um, it's just reality. Some One of these guys is going to spend a month on the DL next year. It's just fact. That's what happens to pitchers, and you know the reality of it is is you know the Mets I was looking at the statistics yesterday, the Mets have had 18 players spend, I think eight hundred and sixty nine games on the disabled list. That puts them flat in the middle of Major League Baseball in both games and players. Uh, the lead leader in Major League Baseball, of course, is the Dodgers with 28 and nearly double those days and yeah, last time I checked, it, <laughs> they're in the playoffs as well. Um, you know, it, it's kind of weird if you look at it. If you look at the amount of injuries this year, uh, having a lot of them is not a hindrance to playoff contention. Uh, but uh, you, you have to figure pitchers get hurt. That's where the phrase "you can't have too much pitching" comes from. But when you have Bartolo Colon, it's almost like you do have enough.
0: Yeah, you know, I hear you say that one of the one of these guys will spend a month on the DL next year, and I say from your lips to God's ears. Because if that's the extent of the injuries we'll have with these pitchers next year, the Mets are going to be just fine. Uh, you you just pray that we don't look at one of those catastrophic injuries that can take a guy out for a season like we've had so many of this year. So yeah, if one of the guys has to spend a month on the DL, that's totally fine by me. And as for the time spent on the DL, I do think you have to factor in. By the end of the season, we're probably going to be looking at a team that will have played eh, maybe 100 games with less than a 25-man active roster because of guys just kind of sitting on the bench hurt and unable to perform, which was – and I'm sure we'll get to Wally in a a bit, but that was one of his big bones of contention in his exit interview on the fan was that it's just impossible to have so many teams in your organization consistently playing with – Twenty twenty-one 21-man total, uh, total rosters while guys are either transitioning somewhere else or just hurt, can't play, but you're not sticking them on the DL just yet.
1: Yeah, I mean, certainly I think that they're, you know, it, it's kind of interesting. I think the Las Vegas factor factors into it a little bit. Uh, but it does seem like that, you know, the Mets have always, and regardless of ownership, regardless of management, it just seems to be an organizational philosophy that I don't know where it comes from, have been overly conservative about how they put players on the disabled list, Uh, when they put players on the disabled list. They've also been overly conservative about when you send a player down. We had a good long discussion on Twitter yesterday about Conforto and his playing time. And the reality of it is, is
0: I'm not sure Conforto regresses as badly as he has if we hadn't sent him down sooner. Yeah, and we all saw that the need was probably there earlier than they actually did it. They probably waited a little too long with Darno a few years ago, and he came back blazing, which was great for him, but that's not always typically the case. And then when it comes to the playing time in Comporto, we talked about it at length yesterday. He played in 30 out of 32 games that he was at AAA and was consistently hitting high 300s, smashing the ball everywhere, now to come here and only find, like, if he's lucky, four or five at-bats a week, while we watch Jay Bruce constantly go out, throwing up an 0 for 5 every night with inferior defense than what Conforto brings to you, you just have to wonder. I mean, it goes to your killing a puppy point. Did Conforto do something to Terry Collins' puppy? that Collins will not let him. Just give him a series. I'm not asking you to name him your, your everyday left fielder or right fielder or whatever for the rest of the season. But can he? Can the kid get this? Would have been the perfect week this series, this weekend. You were playing a terrible team in the Twins. Let the kid get the series and see if he can uh, get him to fatten up a little on some of those pitchers.
1: You know, the reality of it is as we saw in the playoffs last year, the Mets are a better team when Mike Conforto is hot. And you know, the fact that you know everybody credits Joanna Suspitus when he was traded at the Mets last year with turning the team around. That's a lot of it is true, but Conforto played a huge, huge role in that sparking of the team. I mean, just an absolute, you know, he, he put up monster-type numbers, too, right up to the point where his bat went dead the second week of May this year. Conforto was the guy next to next to Cespedes, and he was kind of the guy that we thought if, if Cespedes did not come back this season, was going to be that guy that stepped up and put up similar-type numbers. Uh, and somewhere along the way, uh, and you know that Sandy has more control than Terry lets on, um, the depths of which we'll never truly know. But um, uh, as I always tell people look at who hired Art Howe in Oakland, it wasn't Billy Bean. Uh, but uh, you know, the um the reality of it is is, you know, somebody there has soured on Michael Conforta. It's really obvious to me, and I don't know if it's a permanent souring or if they're seeing something they don't like, or they they just, you know, they're just not sure what they're dealing with there or how to fix them. But there's something definitely off. It feels like it's personal because you're absolutely 100% correct. Uh, I'm all for playing the guy who has the consistency of being streaky, and certainly Bruce was making some contact yesterday that was positive. Uh, Certainly didn't have any results, but it was positive. That being said this series should have been Conforto. It's the perfect opportunity to get somebody in a low-risk situation. And in an independent race, you don't have a whole lot of low-risk situations. But playing a team that's fighting to not lose 100 games and probably will lose that fight seems to me to be the perfect opportunity. I don't understand why he wasn't in the past two days. Um, you know, Certainly he was in there today and drove in two runs with a with a solid single. Uh, but a couple of those at bats, he looked absolutely terrible. Is it because he's still regressed, or is it because he's not playing enough? The problem is not enough info to answer that because they're not playing. Yeah,
0: well. yeah, you don't have the sample size right now to see what's what with Michael Conforto. And you know, I it's funny. I was talking to someone the other day about uh, Mets' recent <laughs> playoff runs going back to '06, when basically Timo Perez single-handedly threw the team on his back and got them into the postseason. <laughs> And then you look back to last year, you're right. While this was a great addition, while Murphy was hitting his face off, while uh, Conforto then comes up as the rookie, and he manages to, to really inject a lot of life into this team. And I was kind of seeing that a little bit. in. Uh, I feel like I'm seeing that in T.J. Rivera right now. I feel like he's injecting a much needed offense into the team right now that, that's going to help propel us into that wild card game. And you just sit here and you think, if there's any way to get Michael Conforto – back to where he was at last fall, heading into the postseason, I mean, that is just an absolute dominating lineup again now, especially and look, I am the guy's biggest critic in the world. I have a feeling that Lucas Duda is coming back here with the chip on his shoulder. There's been the whole Duda versus Loney, Duda shouldn't get his job back, a very vocal contingent of the Mets fans who wanted no part of Lucas Duda making his way back onto the field this season. If by any chance you can get that three good weeks out of Lucas Duda that he's capable of putting up, then it's a whole different ballgame heading into the, the postseason. So, I mean, there's a lot of ifs right now about what could happen offensively to this team, but I know for a fact that if you get Duda and Conforto going, then everyone else will be put on notice. It doesn't matter if Dan Gazelman is the, the guy on the mound because we're going to slug you right out of the building.
1: See here here's the thing, and this is the thing that's scary to think about in the Mets as far especially when the playoffs come around, because the reality of it is that you know, again, wild card is kinda of like to me it's like football any given Sunday. Anything can happen. Uh the best team does not always win that game. I mean, this just it's just the reality of it. I mean, after all, the worst teams in baseball manage to win sixty games a season. Uh so I mean, you know, it it's, it can happen. But The thing is, this is a team that's finding improbable ways of winning every game, or every game they win, that is. They are finding improbable ways. They are finding a new hero every day. But a switch here and a switch there, and this is an offensively dominant ball club that should scare the crap out of the playoff competition. I mean, it has a potentially dominating lineup. It's like you said. If you get that lightning in a bottle, that you get Conforto hot, you get Duda hot, and if miracle all, all miracles, somehow you got Darno going like he was going last year in the playoffs. You know, you, you got a situation where not only do the other, other teams need to watch out, so does the home run apple. It's going to get smashed by Darno again. But, you know, we're talking about three guys right now that it's hard to have a lot of confidence in. And I get why people don't. But the track record is still there. You know, you don't just lose talent. Now, Duda is crazy rusty, and the only reason he's really back at this point, most likely, is um, the whole situation with you know the fact that the minor league season is over; there are no rehab possibilities. I do think, at least in the Duda situation, I want to get your take on e- on this. EJ, the Mets will have to make a decision to take him on the roster or not for the postseason, and I'm not sure that's an easy call.
0: Yeah, I think that the reason why he is back is just that you wanted to have the ability to put him on the postseason roster but by no means do I think that that's a slam dunk that you would have him on the roster. I really think that this is going to be a bit of an audition period for him, heading into what will hopefully a a postseason roster cuts being made that is key valuable enough as a left-hander off the bench. I mean, you can pipe dream and think World Series, we would need a DH for a few games, but honestly, is it enough to carry him on the roster? As of right now, I'd probably say no. But, like I said, he catches a little lightning in the bottle and does that Lucas 2-3 week thing, then he could absolutely play his way onto the, onto the playoff roster. And I'd love to see him do it. I'd love to see and, him shut me so, up because I don't, I don't think he's good enough oh, yeah. right now to be there. So shut me up and, and go ahead and do it.
1: <laughs> you know, it's, like, it, it's funny. I was saying some stuff about Curtis Granderson yesterday just in relation to his slump. Uh, I'm gonna just say, you know, maybe the guy needs a day off, which oddly enough he did get today despite yesterday's heroics, which I, you know, again, I, I don't blame him for sitting anybody after a 12 inning game and day game afterwards. I'm not, I'm not criticizing Terry for the lineup choice there, but uh, you know, it's one of the things that happened. Of course, uh, you know, he winds up winning the game on uh, tying the game and then winning the game on back-to-back home runs in the 11th and 12th innings um, to which I said, you know, unlike a lot of people, I am happy to admit I'm wrong. And sometimes, I am really glad I am wrong. And that's one of the things I think that, you know, especially you and I, EJ, I mean, we talked about this before. Sometimes you just go, you know, this this is what's wrong. This is what I don't like about it. But, God, I want to be wrong about
0: this. I really
1: want to be wrong
0: about this. There's a particular type of burger that Pedro Serrano references in Major League, and that's the kind that I've been begging Lucas Duda to serve me for years. So maybe over the last three weeks of this season, as the Mets are looking ahead a little bit to what's going to be the the composition of this team next year, maybe if Lucas Duda wants to serve me up one of those burgers, I would eat it happily.
1: You know, and I'll tell you, I've been served one this year, and I I have no qualms admitting it. Jose Reyes made me eat one, man, and I ate it with a smile. Uh, you know, I, I have—I was certainly one of the more outspoken, and for both reasons, on field and off field. Of the Mets not resigning him, and I'm certainly not uh, absolving him of his off field sins. One, that's not my place, and two, you know, I just don't have the evidence of which to you know to make a, a, a proper assessment. But I can judge him on the field, and I can judge him in the clubhouse. And bringing him back was one of the most brilliant things Sandy has done. And I, and he has proven me wrong on the field repeatedly, and he is the – I do believe bringing him back is the spark that lit the fire that we're currently looking at.
0: Jose Reyes is one thing. He is infectious. As much as you were anti-bringing him back, and you were, you were more than me, because I thought he did still have a little left of the tank as far as performance on the field. I didn't expect what we've gotten, but I thought that he was definitely a player the Mets could use – uh, the off-field stuff, I, I was horrified by it, but I really feel that Jose has done a pretty good job thus far, kind of trying to atone for those sins. Um, I mean, I'm not making excuses for him, but you can, you can see a guy who was very unhappy in his life. He was not happy in Toronto. He was not happy in Colorado. Jose Reyes considers the New York Mets family and considers them home, and you're seeing a guy who is so happy to be home. How the frig did this guy come up with seven different handshakes for every teammate in only a month is beyond me. It's just, he is infectious. It is so easy to watch Jose Reyes running the bases, Jose Reyes driving a pitcher crazy with his leads from first base, just doing everything that creates the infamous Reyes run. And when you see that it's, it's hard not to just love every single second of watching what he does as a baseball player. You know, I was talking to a buddy about it the other day and it really it would have been interesting to see how Jose's career would have played out if he had ended up being a career met. If those years spent away from the organization were such a downfall for him that uh, it takes him out of a lot of conversations about all time shortstops, et cetera, et cetera. That what what the high water mark could have been for Jose if he had been a career met. But I am I'm happy to see what he is doing. I am loving what he's done for this lineup offensively. It is so nice to have a legitimate leadoff hitter again, allowing Curtis Granderson to go back to a position he deserves to be in, and that's run producing in the middle of the lineup. Having as Cabrera behind him as a number two, which is just I've always been such a proponent of good leadoff guy, solid number two, and you have all the foundations of a good offense, and that is what they are doing right now. It's it's just been refreshing. To, to see a legitimate lineup out there every day. And when, I'll be honest, when he beams that million-dollar smile at you, you can't help but just smile right back. Because his passion for the game and his energy is everything that I love about baseball and everything that I really wish you could, you could kind of infuse into the youth of America today about the sport. Because he obviously loves the sport, and the fans who love it as much love watching him play it.
1: You know, and I think I, I think I do think the fact that the Mets are where they're at helps a lot because I I, I kind of remember those last days. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, 2010, 2011, not exactly successful years for the Mets by any stretch. <laughs> you know, you can certainly if, if for some reason you've forgotten, there there you can go through the podcast archive and hear us talk about them. Uh, I don't recommend it, but you can. Uh, the The reality of it is, I don't know about you, but to me, when Reyes left. He already felt like someone who had lost the love of the game, uh, and I don't know if it was the losing, I don't know if it was the changes, I, I I don't know, you know, I don't know what necessarily cost it. I I feel like we would have wasted his prime if we'd re-signed him because I don't think he would have made us any better in those intervening years. But I, I can't I can't deny it. I'm glad he's back playing a huge role on this team. And, you know, credit to the Mets to signing him and credit to him for, you know, basically sparking you know, you know, sparking this fire that uh it's gonna take this team pretty much, you know, barring a major collapse right into the playoffs.
0: Yeah, it's funny, I, I recall one of uh probably the last time actually that I saw Jose play in his first run with the Mets. It was uh with Ryan, our typical third co host on the show. Uh him and I had gone out to City Field and we had uh we had purchased some very good tickets, to say the least. We do this once a year. We call it our businessman special. It's like one of those midweek 12-10 starts. And you could usually, back then, you were able to get tickets for, uh, for, for not too expensive. And they weren't cheap, but they definitely weren't what they would be right now if you were trying to get those tickets. So we were sitting directly behind the uh, the Mets on deck circle. And there had been a lot of talk that week about the fate of Jose Reyes, and it was sounding more and more like uh, Jose would uh, not be returning to the Mets the following year. And Ryan and I, we had, uh, we had indulged in a few adult beverages, to say the least. We were having a good time and it was very sunny out. Just one of those good days at the ballpark. And I, uh, as Reyes was in the on-deck circle, I decided to serenade him with the 90s techno-classic, Please Don't Go, to which uh, he started cracking up, looked up at me with that really watt smile. And I think he thought it was Ryan doing it, which makes it even funnier if you know the the body <laughs> differentials between Ryan and myself. Brian is a, a very tall, very large fellow compared to myself. And he looks at Ryan, he goes, Poppy, I don't want to go anywhere. And it just kind of cracked up, and we all cracked up at it. It was just a very funny moment. So Jose's home, he's back in Queens, and he's definitely making a, a, a big effort. And that's, uh, that's going to be a huge, huge impact for the, for the Mets heading into the postseason here. And and the thing is,
1: I mean, and this is the this is the brilliance of Sandy. They've got him for next year, major league minimum.
0: Yeah, gotta love that <laughs> factor too. And everybody was screaming, and I am included in this when Juan rebate was cut, and everybody started screaming, "Go get your rebate! Go get your rebate! He's the guy you need who can fill in at both spots on the left side of the infield." Well, oh, hang on a second. It seems that we've already filled that role, and I well, was a little bummed that we never did go get your rebay. Jose has done more than a good job filling that role, and he will absolutely be filling that role for us next season. Absolutely. And,
1: you know, again, the the, the one thing that's been, uh, you know, also constant again is that, you know, the depth that this team has had. You know, how many times were we, you know, we were talking about, uh, you know, a couple days off here for a familiar year and there, and, you know, we'll, who would close and, you know, you have Blevins closing today. And, you, you, you know, Reed is obviously capable of closing. Yeah, it makes me think of the depth, of, you know, of course, the depth that comes from the minor leagues. And, you know, leave it to the New York Mets. Uh, only them would have a uh, publicity fiasco emerge from their Triple A ball club uh, from none other than the world-famous Wally Backman.
0: You, you know, you, you follow the minors far closer than I do. I don't. I follow our yes, I, team. Do. I don't follow I don't follow around the league. But if you legitimately ask me name me another team's Triple A manager, I cannot do it. I know guys are in systems, I don't know if they're coaches, if they're managers, I don't know. But yet the entire sports world knows that Wally Backman was the Mets Triple A manager because of the fiasco like you said that was this week. When Does a triple a manager get fired and then goes on the number one radio show in a major market during afternoon drive time to have an interview about the the process and about the organization that does not happen. But for some reason it did here. I know you're far more anti-Wally than I am. I have had my moments of, eh, why not give him a shot to uh, keep him the heck away from our team. Um, but I don't think that this entire process, if it went down the way Wally said it went down, that he was leaving because he feels there's no upside for him in this organization anymore, that's fine. I think a lot of people have been in positions where they're with a company or an organization and they see no upward mobility and they start sending out the resume. No problem. It's a kind of a fact of life. It happens. You go about it quietly. You don't burn that bridge, which I feel has been burned. And I really don't see that Wally would get an opportunity with any ball club, at least not in the immediate future, based on the way that the past week played out for him.
1: You know, here's the thing. One of the first things I did was uh, our good friend Casey Stern, who of course has been on the show many times and is probably actually more anti-Wally than I am. And mind you, I was a huge fan of Wally in the 80s. Don't get me wrong. I'm a fan of Wally the player. I I loved how he played the game. Uh, I, I, you know, he's an '86 Met. Forever in my heart for that. Um, but you know, I just didn't like the way he managed the ball game, uh, and I didn't think he was the savior that many made him out to be. He wasn't this angelic, perfect manager that uh, you know that was portrayed by a certain contingent of the Met fan base, which I refer to as the cult of Wally, um, because it's, it, they were seeing things that weren't there. Just ask Jack Leathersich. Uh, but um, the the reality of it is I turned to Casey and I, I, I tweeted him. I said over or not over under percent of major league baseball fans can't name their triple a management uh, manager. And I said, my guess is way under. And he <laughs> within 30 seconds had affirmed that belief. Uh, and I think that's really common. Most just, I mean, most people do not know... I mean, I sure don't know a whole lot of... I follow AAA pretty well. I follow AA really well. Uh, I certainly know most of the managers in the Mets chain um, at any given time. I, Pedro Lopez, the AA manager, I'm guessing he'll be managing Vegas next year, uh, barring an outside-the-organization hire. And Lord knows Pedro Lopez deserves the call. Uh, he's one of the most talented managers in the Mets organization. But um, the... Um, the the reality for Wally is talk about going out in the blaze of glory. Um, you know, you have a guy here who one since 2004 and the debacle with the Arizona Diamondbacks, in which he withheld information about his about his legal past um, and financial past, which you know you don't withhold in a job interview. If you're asked, you tell. Um, the uh, you know he was he was fired with due cause after four days after being hired by the Diamondbacks. One major league organization has called him about a job. That organization is the New York Mets. One major league organization has interviewed him for a major league position. That organization is the New York Mets. One major league org- organization has promoted him continuously through their minor leagues, albeit you know, he reached the top of the food chain a few years ago and has remained there. That is the New York Mets. In that time, the Mets have never, never received nor granted a request for an interview at any level of any organization uh, for Wally Backman's employment. No team, He has not even been approached by a AAA team where the growth potential is maybe a little bit more significant to move over there. And as far as my understanding was, if he got a better offer, Wally was always free to go, no harm, no foul. Thanks for your service, Wally. Um, you know, there's certainly rumors that were going around and sources indicating that he was on the verge of being fired um, anyway. And certainly, you know, there are rumors over the years that the only one protecting him in the organization was Jeff Wilpon. But the reality for me is what speaks loudest of all is we're now talking about a guy who just quit supposedly before he was about to get fired with no other job out there looking for him. I have a hard time believing right now, especially based on the publicity fiasco that just occurred, that Wally Backman will have any employment by a Major League Baseball team in any management capacity next season. He's either going to be somebody scout, or he's going to be so far down in the minor leagues that you're not going to hurt your word one from him, or you're going to find out who next year's manager is for the Long Island Ducks. I mean, that's what you're looking at from Wally Backman. And for the record, Long Island Ducks is his only chance of managing in New York.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he'll, I definitely think their team will grab him in some capacity. I don't think it's management, just because I agree with you. I mean, you, you go out and, you know, I was actually, I was a little bummed that the fireworks weren't lit a little brighter on a, on that interview on the fan. I was expecting guns blazing, in Wally and he was kind of kind of laid back. And this entire thing bummed me out because I felt it was extremely petty on both sides. I think the Mets handled it very petty. I think Wally handled it very petty. For the Mets to come out and leak that, oh, yeah, we were going to fire him, we're not telling the company the line, and then saying the stuff that they said about Conforto and Nimo. when then Wally's able to back it up and say, hey, they said I didn't play Conforto. He played in 31 out of 33 games, and those other two games, I got him in as a pinch hitter. He was just late to the stadium because he was traveling back and forth. Nimmo, I think it was something like 40 out of 42 games, he batted him first or second, much like the organization had asked. So for the Mets to leak that about him is absolute garbage and extremely petty. And then even while Wally's in the middle of doing that interview on the fan, the Mets official social media account has to tweet out at that exact moment that the Mets A-ball manager has been invited to sit on the major league bench for the remainder of the year which is typically a courtesy given to most managers in your minor league system, but for them to choose that exact moment to tweet that out, extremely petty on Wally's behalf saying that the team fails to communicate while possibly very true. And I think he has a very good point there that he was playing with the 20, 21 man roster, even more than the major league team was, you don't air that out. You keep that in house, even when you're on your way out of the house, that's not for the public consumption that is for you the your front office and the major league manager to discuss that's not for something for you to You know make and me the, and the to thing down. about
1: that too is it is and that's the you know one of the situations there and you know the reality of it is uh, as far as the New York Mets are concerned now they're in triple their a is in Las Vegas Nevada for if you know people in the show don't know that but just for the sake of argument the Mets AAA a is in Las Vegas Nevada now it's not the most convenient place in the world but the nice thing about Las Vegas, because it's you know, one of the ultimate tourist destinations on the planet, there's always a flight in or out. There's always a flight in or out. That being said, the Pacific Coast League is spread all over the place, and you, you, know, you could be flying out of El Paso at 10, in the, uh, 10 at night, or trying to get out of it at least. Uh, I would guess you'd be unsuccessful. That being said, the Mets AA is in Binghamton, New York. The soon-to-be renamed Binghamton Mets still got all my money on the Binghamton Stud Muffins. Uh but um the uh the, the naming contest there went significantly awry as we all as we all I think we discussed on this show. But um the um the reality of it is is getting a player from Binghamton, New York to wherever the fifty ones are playing, not gonna be the easiest thing. So you know and injuries happen especially this year. And I, I I I get his gripe, I understand his frustration, but uh, I think even though the Mets are playing in the international league, I'm, I'm not sure that's not still a problem. When your your double uh, A team is in the middle of nowhere upstate New York, and no offense to anybody in upstate New York, there's just not an international airport near you.
0: Yeah, logistically it's a nightmare. There is no taxi squad with the Mets. It's a it's a five hour red eye. And to his credit, Wally actually defended the Mets on that point when uh, when it was brought up to him and said, Do you find it a problem being all the way in Vegas? One of the closest affiliates are either New York or Binghamton. And he said, look, we play in Vegas. So we play after the major league team and the double league team plays. So not only do we have the benefit of knowing what happened with them and knowing if we're about to have to send a guy to them to to make them whole, but there's a 10-20 and an 11-20 red eye every single night out of Vegas into either JFK or LaGuardia. Like, Wally knew his stuff in that regard and was kind of defending the Mets on that point, saying that we can get guys to them in a heartbeat. It sounded like his bigger gripe was actually just the communication of, hey, we're going to need this guy and this guy from you. And his, his gripe was, then there wasn't the follow-up, but we're going to get you whole by sending you this guy and this guy. It, it kind of sounds like that's where his, his argument was with his uh, organization, I, I and so least... that's where he's not going to get another job for airing that out. And I
1: can at least point to one anecdotal evidence situation where that wasn't the case. Um, It was a game, I want to say it was 2013, um, and uh, I was out at the game. um, uh, Zach Wheeler was, it was right before Zach Wheeler was called up. And uh, it was the day the Mets sent down Ike Davis and called up Satin and a couple others. It was like three people got lanced after that game and sent down to AAA, and three people got called up. And we knew about, at that point, um, the show had happened and it, everything had been reported, that three guys had been sent down, Ike Davis being chief among them. And I I ran into Wally afterwards. We were all waiting around trying to get autographs. And uh, I said to Wally, so who's going up? Do you know yet? And he just rattled up, bam, 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 going up. Um, and you, just then you see Josh saw, sat and walked by. He's on the phone with his parents. Um, trying to get them to make their fly- flight arrangements to head out and you know, all that stuff. And it was really cool, actually, to see that. But that was right after game. That was at the end of game. And, you know, you, at least in that particular instance, the communication occurred as it should. Now, if that's the exception and not the rule, you know, I'm certainly not judging one way or the other on that. But I, I can say at least the one time I seemingly saw it go down, it went down how it was supposed to.
0: Yeah, that was also a much higher profile than a lot of the call-ups and send-downs. I mean, sending Ike down True. huge, huge news, and that was something that we were focused on for a while. I kind of feel like they had a plan in place for a few weeks prior to that, that, hey, if we do have to pull the trigger on Ike, this is what's going to happen. Whereas this year, the injuries have been so, – this hasn't been allowed, really, except for Conforto, sending a guy down to try to get him right. This has been, oh, geez, we broke another one send us some replacement parts, please, as fast as possible. And I can can assume that there was probably some breakdowns in communication and there was frustration on Wally's part. And and I can respect him for having that frustration as a baseball guy. But, again, I can't respect his airing it out after the fact. If they come to you and they're basically about to be fired and you're doing the, yeah, 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 you can't fire me, I quit, and then you're going to go blast them publicly, thing, you don't have my respect, much like you. I'll respect the hell out of Wally Backman, the 1986 second base platoon man, but Wally Backman, the ex-triple-A manager of the Mets, not so much.
1: And, I mean, for me, again, I, I think it was kind of like one of those things where I kind of felt a little vindicated being anti-cult of Wally as long as I've been. At the same time, I'm with you. You're, we're talking about one of my heroes at the 86 Mets, And, you know, to, to say that, um, you know, and I, I've talked – a couple of 86 Mets over the years and let's just say I I don't think the the view of Wally as a manager is unique to fans like you and I Uh, but uh, the um, the the reality of it is that sometimes it's better to have some memory of how they were than how they are now
0: (laughs) hey they say don't meet your heroes and there's a there's a fine example of it
1: you know and I like I said I met Wally when he was a manager and he Certainly a nice guy, although darn if I could get him the smile in the photo I took with him. But uh, you know, I just get the impression Wally's not a big, smiling guy. <laughs> um, and you know, somebody somebody asked me the other day, are you going to miss anything about uh, about Wally being manager? I said, well, I'll miss knowing the manager is in the tug- dugout tunnel from the wafting of the camel smoke coming up through <laughs> up into the stands in Tacoma, which is exactly what would happen every time Wally was in the tunnel smoking. Um, you could tell for sure, hey Wally's in the hallway. If you want an autograph, just holler Wally, he'll come out.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Yeah, that but, will uh, be one you know, of the laughing legacies on minor league baseball. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the, the the fact that uh, now um, it, it's nice to know that when the 51s come to, to Coma next year, uh, their manager will not be violating these smoking laws near buildings in Washington State. <laughs>
0: yeah. Unless they decide to call uh, but, Rafael Santana back into the mix. <laughs> exactly.
1: Uh, you know, I, I certainly don't see that forthcoming, but it'll be interesting to see uh, what uh, – what the overall up and down and all around will be. Because every year when, you know, coaching changes come up, um, you know, as as much as I've been a very, very pro-wartham guy on this team, and I remain that way, especially with everything the Mets pitching staff has been through this year, um, you know, same time you go, well, I didn't want Wally Backman at the major league level, but by golly, I'd sure like to find a way someday to get Viola up here.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at the way the pitchers talk about him, and they just they scream his praises any chances that they're given. He's clearly doing a great job with those guys down in AAA. Uh, clearly, he still stays in communication with them when they come back up here. You talk about communication breakdown, this is the complete opposite. This is a guy who, who takes a vested interest in these kids when they get up to the major league level and still watches tape on them while he's busy watching tape on his own rotation and his own bullpen. And, and still gives them some input about what he's saying, that he likes what they're doing, what they could work on, and, and they sing his praises. So I am with you. I'd love to see Frank Viola at some point get a, uh, a shot at uh, the major league pitching coach up here.
1: And, and, I, and I fear that if that doesn't happen soon, he will wind up somewhere else, and he's going to be brilliant wherever he is. And obviously you can only wish him the world of success because he, he has just been a great job. I, mean, I know a lot of our pitchers see him as a father figure type. I mean, he is yep. just... Uh, and i 've seen i 've seen physically seen within a couple feet is where you stand in Tacoma to watch and, and kind of watch batting practice and watch the uh, warm ups and everything it's literally and i 've watched him work with these kids, and he is just so good with them and he 'll point out yesterday you were or you know last time you were doing it just slightly why don 't you go back to that and it's just these slight adjustments on, and yeah he he He's a good guy and a good baseball guy. And he's, he's the kind of guy you go, now that's the one off that squad. I don't want to lose.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully he is tagged to get his shot sometime in the near future. But, you know, again, the same thing. Um, you look around in minor league baseball,
1: ask any fan of any team, who's your minor Triple A pitching coach. Now, admittedly, we have a multi-time, you know, multi-time all-star pitcher as ours. So, I mean, it's a little bit more notable, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to guess most people can't name their triple-A uh, pitching coach. I'm here. Are you?
0: Oh, yeah. Just lost you there for a second. I thought that was Weird. hard out. <laughs> the,
1: beauty, the beauty is a blog talk radio. Yeah. Well, you know, it's certainly, you know, the one thing just kind of switching back to the major league level, um, if there's one thing this team has to – and I, I think they kind of get it, but you know, with the remaining teams, I mean, they've, they've played their last good team already several days ago. This is definitely a team that uh, can't rest on their laurels these last uh, 10, 12 games of the season.
0: No, these are the games that you're supposed to get fat on, so go get fat on. Them. These are the games that you can afford to have the guys who are probably going to be throwing a lot of them, you can afford to have them go out there and throw them and if they get t- touched up a little for three, four runs, you should still be able to overcome and have success. I-, I fully think in these these last two weeks of games that the Mets should have a pretty significant run in them, if not a winning streak, at least winning the majority of these games and hopefully winning them handedly.
1: Absolutely. And uh, before we wrap things up, uh, worth pointing out that a fairly nostalgic weekend for Mets fans. Uh, yesterday was the 30th anniversary of the Mets clinching the NL East in 1986. Today is the 10th anniversary of the Mets clinching the NL East in 2006. And on a personal note, EJ, 33 years ago today, September 18th, 1983, a Sunday at Shea Stadium, was a little eight year old JB's first trip to the ballpark.
0: Aw, that's adorable. <laughs> well, happy anniversary <laughs> to you, my friend. And, uh, and happy anniversary to uh, all Mets fans celebrating all three of those major milestones.
1: Yeah, if, if you're out there celebrating my milestone, unless it was your game too, I'm a little creeped out by it, to be perfectly honest. But uh, <laughs> other than that, it, it's uh, it's all good.
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, enjoy the memories. Go uh, go go! Read the archive on the game and. uh, Hopefully, we'll be making uh, some some new memories. Maybe even next weekend. Who knows? Maybe one of these teams goes in the tank, and the Mets have a nice run here, and we could be talking about closing in and dropping into position next Sunday.
1: Absolutely. Well, we'll have a show again next Sunday. We'll definitely be talking about what goes on this week and what we expect the following week. We should have a good guest for you. Of course, you can follow us online. Best way to do that is Twitter these days. Of course, find me at the Real Hoop. You can find EJ at the Happy Recap and. Uh, Ryan, when he's around, is Big Country Griff. Until next week, let's go Mets.